Today's reading is Luke 23, 33 through 43. It can be found on page 975 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him, which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Do you, do, don't you fear God, he said? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Our God of grace, as we uh, come sit down in this place, we might come ex- knowing what to expect. We might come not knowing what to expect. We might come with um, a strong sense of what we believe. We might come not really knowing what we believe. We might come hurting, or we might come um, with gratitude and thanks for how things are going in life. Uh, we might come really discouraged by some recent events, or we might come just kind of uh, numb to the world, Um, neither here nor there, and just feeling a a general sense of wishing something would wake us up. From all these places that we come, the truth is that we're more of a mess than we care to admit. Every minute of our lives, that is so true of us, we're more broken, more flawed than we want to let on and so comforted to know that we can keep coming back to your story of grace that says that even though we are more broken than we care to admit, in Christ we are more loved and accepted than we ever imagined. And we can know that love. It's a love that surpasses knowledge. It's a love that came to our, to our world in real, real life in flesh and blood through your son Jesus. You came into a broken world and you took on the pain and the brokenness yourself. You know it well. And so we come with all of ours this morning and we look to you to speak into it and to teach us with your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. When Sometimes... Um, Injustice appears to have the final say. Sometimes in life, uh, the, the, you know, the, the bad guys win, right? Or they seem to be winning. Um, and sometimes, you know, let me just start with a really mundane example. Uh, seventh grade, 
Mark Holland gets a, a new yo-yo. It's a wooden yo-yo that I had to write a letter in a form and check a box and then put a check, have my parents probably write a check and put it in with it and put it in the mail and then wait not only for that letter to get all the way there, uh, but for then them to ship um, this yo-yo to me for $5. And, you know, the yo-yo comes three or four weeks after they get my letter. So that's how, it, kids, that's how it used to work. That's how you used to, that's how you, how you used to buy stuff. And I had this, I had this yo-yo, and I was kind of proud of it, so of course I had to take it to school um, there was something really cool about it. It's fully wooden yo-yo with a wooden axle in the, in the middle. And it worked really well. It was really slick. You could do tricks a lot better on it. And one day, I'm really proud of this, this yo-yo, you know. And one day I come to my locker in between class and I look, I look inside the locker and there's my yo-yo, but it is in half. It is broken. Wooden axle. <laughs> it is snapped in half. And I know who did it. I mean, I'm pretty sure I know who did it. I think it was Dwayne and Andrew, okay? And they were, you know, my mom says they're jealous, but I think they're just jerks. So, um, yeah, but so Dwayne and Andrew. Andrew, by the way, is now also a minister. So I don't know what that says about anything, but it seemed like the bad guy, it seemed like injustice had the final say. That often happens. There's nothing I could do. It, you know, there's, uh, my brother was not yet a, a sergeant, so I couldn't do a fingerprints uh, scan on the, on the yo-yo and find out who did it. Um, there was nothing I could do. There's no way I could tell on them. I knew it was them, but yet, what, you know, how was I going to get them to pay for my yo-yo? But one cool thing did happen is that my parents ended up taking us to Napa. And, in, in, and the yo-yo that I had was a little... Wooden yo-yo, it was a Smothers Brothers yo-yo, but it was like the cheap, it was the cheap yo-yo that they made. And when we went out into Napa Valley, there's a place called the Smothers Brothers Winery, and they have a gift shop. And so when we went there, so this was not long after I, my yo-yo had been broken by these bullies, um, we went out there and I upgraded and I got this thing called the three-in-one no-jive Smothers Brothers yo-yo. <laughs> And the video, the videotape, a videotape, kids, is like the size of this Bible, and you put it in a machine that plays it. And I'd watch over and over these yo-yo tricks, and I learned them all with my three-in-one no-jive yo-yo, which did not have a wooden axle. It had a metal axle with removable parts. So I still have that yo-yo today. I resisted bringing it up here and doing some tricks for you right now. Sometimes it looks like justice is winning out. Where in your life, where in the world around you does it seem like justice is not winning out? That injustice is having the final say, that it's not going the way that it's supposed to go. Where do you see that? Maybe, you know, maybe you're like um, the head coach of the San Antonio Spurs, Greg Popovich. He's, he's seeing this in the election right now. A lot of you are saying things like this, seeing this in the election. And he, so this is his quote. He put it quite bluntly about a week ago. Um, I'll just pick up uh, in the, sort of the middle of his quote of his, in his interview. Not to mention, he says, the eighth grade developmental stage exhibited by him when he made fun of the handicapped person. I mean, come on. That's what a seventh grade, eighth grade bully does. And he was elected president of the United States. 
We would have scolded our kids. We would have had, had discussions and talked until we were blue in the face, trying to get them to understand things. And he is in charge of our country, Greg Popovich says. That's disgusting. All right. And, yet, you know, hey, maybe you feel that way. A lot of people have had a lot of emotions about the election. Or let's move on to something else. What's, what's another way you might see injustice? A homeless person. A homeless person struggles, uh, you know, hour by hour just for everything. And, and yet they're the ones most likely on a daily basis to have stuff stolen from them, right? Get my stuff stolen from me. Isn't life hard enough? Sometimes it just seems like justice isn't winning out. Or a political refugee um, loses everything in their home country, risks everything. I mean, we're talking family, uh, possessions, of course, familiarity, culture, language, loses everything, and then still has to have the experience of, of a, a car or a pickup of young men driving by, shouting hateful things at them as they walk down the street. Sometimes justice doesn't seem to be winning. You can fill in the blank. Where do you see it in your, in your neighborhood, in your family, your workplace, school, in your marriage? Where, is, where are things not going the way they should? Where is justice not winning out? Today, today we are on a certain... Sunday that's been designated by the, the Christian calendar, kind of the calendar we follow when we put the life of Jesus over and kind of, kind of transpose it over, over a year. So today is the last Sunday before Advent. So in a way, it's the last Sunday of the Christian year because next week will be New Year's Day in terms of how the, how the Christian calendar goes. It'll start, it'll be day one next Sunday. And today is Christ the King Sunday. Christ the King, the King of all things. And our assigned reading is the gospel story of the crucifixion. So there's certainly, even in this reading, there's a sense of justice not seeming to win out and injustice appearing to have the final say. And as Luke tells the story, all the power players are there. You can read through kind of this section, this bigger section of Luke, and see that he's just having fun listing all the power people that are involved in bringing Jesus onto this cross. And, and he lists, there's 10 different titles that are mentioned. You've got Herod, you've, you've got um, uh, the governor, you've got chief priests, elders, teachers of the law, centurions, and on and on and on. All these titles of all these people. And they're doing what people... Empower can often do and often end up doing. They're arranging things for, their, for themselves. They're arranging things so that it will go conveniently for them and that Jesus can kind of get pushed out of the way. Interesting to think about, sort of a side note. In this story, there's people who are arranging their lives for themselves and that, in, that inherently is shown as pushing Jesus out of the picture. Think about your life. How are you arranging your life? Okay, that was just a freebie. That's sort of 
you know. Well, we'll move on from that, that fun thought, but give that, give that some thought. Everybody in the story is arranging things for themselves. And as they're doing that, so as these people with all, all these power people, they're all there, the you know, centurions, the, the governor, the, all these people, the teachers of the law, the chief priests, the elders, they're all there. They're all a part of this process of getting Jesus to this place. And there's one title that none of them can claim. There's one title that is too lofty. It's, it's higher than them. None of them can legitimately say that's our title. And they reserve that title as an exclamation point on the process that they're leading Jesus through. They reserve that title to give it to him. It's king. They reserve the title of king and they, reserve, and they give it to him by speaking. The, the Jewish version of it is Messiah, anointed one, but they're also using the title king like Caesar and they have a sign over his head and they're giving him this title of king. And it's at a moment when they've never been more sure that he is not king. He's not at all king. He's, we got him. He's, we're, we're, we're bringing him to his end. It's over for him. Let's call him king. Wouldn't that be funny? So what we see in this story is we see bullying. We see humanity's capacity for bullying. We see humanity's capacity for degradation, just with what they're saying to him and how they're stripping him of his clothes, verbally assaulting him. And as Luke is telling it, it wasn't in this reading all of it, but there was already a buildup of the mockery and the violence. And then this little piece that James just read is the climactic you know, all coming together. It's where the violence and the mockery come to a head today in this reading for Christ the King Sunday. Did we maybe get the wrong passage? Did we maybe get the wrong, did we maybe just, did I make a mistake somewhere in the planning and we've got the wrong passage for Christ the King Sunday? Christ the King Christianity has always said, no. We didn't get it wrong. This isn't a story to ignore. That this is a story where we see, in fact, we need to open our eyes and our ears and our hearts more than ever with this story. Because in this story, we learn something of the king's kingdom. You know, when, when I was in seminary, the, You'd hear people talk about the kingdom of God. You could hear it 10 times in a day at seminary. Kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God. Maybe you've been in, uh, a few of you have been in a situation like that, maybe in a, in a Bible class or a something. I mean, it's a strange thing. Nobody talks that way. Nobody knows what that means. What does that even mean? Kingdom of God, kingdom of God? Have you, have you seen the kingdom of God? What does it look like? Where is it? Could you draw it? Can you draw the kingdom, Christ's kingdom? What is it? What is it? How does it function? Where do we see it? And where do we see it in an election season that's come to a close that was filled with, well, wait, some of the things in the story, uh, violence, degradation, bullying, mockery. 
where do you see the kingdom of God? Where do you see Christ's kingdom? Well, I can't give you all the answers on that, but I'm supposed to say something about it. Um, so I'll look at verse 34. In verse 34, Jesus says something pretty important. And Christians would say that in the story, we see the kingdom of God. So what do we see? We see Jesus um, in great pain, in life-threatening, life-ending pain, the victim of this violence and bullying. And in the middle of it, he looks out into a crowd of what we would just look out and what we would see is it's like a Lord of the Flies moment. I mean, this is like humanity at its worst, and he's looking out at this crowd of, of good old boys and bullies and religious hypocrites, and he looks out and he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So where do you, what does the kingdom of God look like? There's one picture. Looking out at deplorable humanity and there's still an umbrella of forgiveness to be, I mean these are, this is one of the two things Jesus says in this, in this story. So if you're going to take the story and see all the evidence and say, well, how do we make sense of it in terms of what Jesus says in the story? It's very clear. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. This crucifixion story that the Christians hold so dear, they hold it so dear because in this crucifixion story, it is all about forgiveness. And it is about, that is what the kingdom brings. That is the ultimate power that comes in Jesus, is forgiveness, not morality, not a, a list of things you need to do right because Jesus has the best list, but it is that in this crucifixion story, forgiveness comes powerfully to the world. That's one thing to observe. What, what else do we see about what the kingdom looks like? We see it in verse 43 as well in terms of what Jesus says to this criminal who's, on, who's next to him. One of, one of the criminals, I don't know if they're on the right and the left, that's, that's kind of one of the ways it's spoken of. So one of them's mocking him right in with all the rest of humanity. The other one defends Jesus and asks Jesus to remember him. And Jesus says, truly I tell you. So this is the one other thing Jesus says in the story. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. When City Life Church was starting, we had about 10 people in my living room, and, um, and one of those people that was in my living room when City Life Church was starting, his name was Darren, and um, Darren was newly a Christian. He, was, he, has, he had just become a Christian, but it was sort of an unlikely thing because Darren had been this guy up in, you know, doing the, the, the fun Sierra Nevada Tahoe ski resort life, you know, where you, you go up and you move up with, with your bros and you're, you know, you're partying and you, and you ski and you snowboard and he was probably, a, I think he was a snowboard instructor and that was his life. He was in his early 20s and he had found, you know, the good life. Darren was very funny. Darren was very smart. And so Darren, you know, most very smart, very funny people I know, they also know that, yeah, this religion stuff, it's, you know, it's all really just made up, plus the people who believe in it aren't fun to be with anyway. So, um, you know, Darren, Darren knew that he was um, too smart for the Christian faith, but 
You know, he had like an, a leg injury. I think he broke his leg or something like that. And he was suddenly laid up, and a lot of his issues, his family issues, his emotional issues, kind of all came crashing in this time where he just couldn't do anything and was just laid up. And for whatever reason, this guy that wasn't even looking for God or religion or Jesus or anything came across this exact interaction in the Bible. And it was absolutely life-changing. And Darren gave his life to this faith in this new king, Jesus, because of this interaction, because of this, this person next to Jesus when Jesus was in life-ending pain um, on a cross suffering and a person next to him who had wasted his life um, asks for some grace and Jesus dispenses. And Jesus says, yeah, today you'll be with me in paradise. I can't, I can't, all I can tell you is what I know about Darren. I can't tell you what happened inside Darren. I can't tell you why, but I can tell you that in this story, this unlikely story, um, this 2,000-year-old story filled with, uh, it seems like the bad guys winning out and injustice having the last say, that 2,000 years later, my friend Darren was liberated by this story and by what he saw in Jesus in this story. And I got to also watch Darren as, you know, in the early days, um, Darren, there, there was a lot about life still that was like, you know, okay, I, I'm a Christian, I think, but there's a lot about life that's like, well, don't talk to me about this, or don't, Jesus doesn't make his way into this part of my life. That's, uh, that's my own part over there. And the thing about, you know, uh, what Christians talk about is Jesus being Lord or Lordship is, it doesn't come easy, but the idea is that Jesus is, if, he's, if you're going to let him in, he's going to start to want to be Lord, kind of, of, of all the parts. And, and it was kind of cool to see over the years um, without any, I, I would just kind of check in with Darren. So he was on his own path. Um, this path was happening separate from me, but I'd, suddenly he'd tell me about things and I'd be like, you're, you're kind of letting that whole part of your life over there now. You're letting the king be king over that. Wow. Like, remember how you used to talk to me like five, six, seven years ago? Oh my gosh, wow. You're, you're doing that. Christ is your king. That's Darren's story. That's a Christ the King story. And that comes out of the crucifixion story. So can you look at this story and can you see the power of the welcoming and suffering king? They go together. Welcoming and suffering going together. Can you look at the story can it teach you something? Can it teach you something about expecting God's activity along the lines of some cultural definition of winning? Can you list, let the story teach you something about um, expecting God's activity along the lines of some cultural definition of winning? I say it twice because that was a long thought. And I, but it's an important one. What is winning? Can you hear and can you see in this story a transformative king for your life? Let's pray. Our gracious God, may this story seep into our lives. May it have its way with us. 
We are people who look for tangible hopes in tangible places, and yet Christianity has never been at its best when, when it's in power. And uh, Christians have never been at their best when their person, whether in 2008 or 2016, when their person was in power. We have lessons to learn um, as, as, as people who are made by you and part of this body of Christ, the King. We have people to learn as Christians who live that out in today's world. We have things to learn as we look to bring your persistent welcome to the people in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.